You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast with Katherine Banco. I'm on a mission to celebrate breakthrough, empowerment, and shameless living in the lives of women everywhere. Join me and let's live unashamed together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 37 of season three of Heart and Soul. I am honored today to have Christy Wright on as my guest. Um, Christy is a personal development expert with Ramsey Solutions. She's a speaker. She's a wife, a mom, and now a number one national best-selling author of Take Back Your Time, The Guilt-Free Guide to Life Balance, which could not have come at a better time today. <laughs> I tell you what, this conversation is much needed. Thanks so much for being a guest. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about this. This is such a pain point. And so I think it's just something that we just can't talk about enough, especially for those of us that are super busy. Yeah. This is like, I feel like this is God's timing and in, in sure. you being on this week, especially it's been, I'm an entrepreneur as well. And I have been like through the ringer this week. I feel like with entrepreneurship, you get to like a really comfortable place where you're like, Oh my gosh, I did it. Like the grind and the hustle is over. And then like you start back at the grind and hustle because something gets thrown your way. So I'm in that right now. And then on top of that, I'm like nine months pregnant. I'm expecting (gasps) a baby. (laughs) Congratulations. That microphone is hiding it. Well, I can't even tell at all. You're just adorable. Congratulations. Yeah. So I am like my mom actually, and I went to dinner the other day and she was asking me, um, like, what's your biggest fear with becoming a mom? Cause it's my first baby. And I was like, honestly, I'm like really excited about the whole mom thing. It's the balance thing that I'm really freaking out about, like balancing yeah. this baby and being like a present mom and also being a good business owner being a good wife and like all the things that being a good friend to people still, um, right. So I love on the back of your book, how it says life balance doesn't come from getting more done. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And it leads to peace, not exhaustion. (laughs) And so I'm like, I, I actually reread that this morning because of that conversation with my mom. I'm like, if, if it leads to exhaustion, then it's not something that needs to be in my life. Like it, it needs to be peaceful. Obviously I'm going to be exhausted with a newborn, but (laughs) yeah. But, um, yeah, tell me like what your, um, heart was behind in writing this book. Like what stirred up this specific topic? Like why balance? Yeah. Well, you bring up a good point because I have been an author and speaker and business coach for a decade. And this is the number one thing I'm asked about to any audience, anywhere, male or female kids, no kids. It doesn't matter. We all struggle with having enough time. We struggle with doing the right things, knowing what the right things are. And just like we say, balancing it all. And so it, it certainly took on a different meaning for me personally. When I had three kids in five years, I launched a book when my second son was four months old. I've since just added things to my plate and taken some things off my plate, you know, admittedly, but even in this season, I mean, this season is a different version of busy. I'm in seminary. I've got three young kids. I'm launching it. So we all, especially entrepreneurs, we all have a lot of irons in the fire. So if we don't have a strategy and a game plan and a system for managing all of our many interests and certainly all of our many demands, then we will burn out. Mm -hmm. We will be exhausted. And worse, I think we will live our lives completely filled with guilt. always feeling like we're failing. And to me, that's the most dangerous piece of it. My my biggest concern is not someone doesn't spend their time on 
exactly the perfect thing. My, my concern is, gosh, I just see women everywhere, men and women both, but specifically women worn down by guilt. Mm. And we feel like we're failing. And that's the reason I love the tagline of this book, because in the title, we taught, we tell you what it's about. It's about time, take back your time, but the tagline, the guilt-free guide to life balance, to me, the undercurrent issue that we're dealing with when it comes to our time is actually not a time or calendar or schedule problem. It's a guilt problem. And so I want to help people get to the root issue, solve it there. And then from that place, uh, work on the systems and calendars and schedules. And it's certainly not a formula and it's not a perfect flip a switch and you, and you never worry again. But I do think there are principles that you can put into play that will help you ditch the guilt, create your version of balance and actually enjoy your life. And that's really powerful. Absolutely. I mean, that's actually really timely too. the, the message of this podcast, or I guess the slogan of this podcast is shameless living, like living without shame, living without guilt. Um, and I would say, you know, probably 99.9% of our listeners are women. And that's something that women struggle with so much is just guilt because, We want to care for everyone and everything that's happening in our life. So whatever iron is in the fire, like we want it to be the best, you know, like we want to treat it well. And then we feel guilty when we're human and we don't have the time to nurture something. Well, and I think it's that, but if, if I may go, if I may expound on this idea really quickly, because I'll tell you one of the things, Catherine, that I found in my life, and this was after. I mean, a couple of years, this, honestly, like it took me a while to get to the root of what is going on. I found in my life that the source of the vast majority of the guilt I experienced came from one place. And it wasn't that I was failing and it wasn't that I had too much going on. And it wasn't that I wasn't meeting all the expectations. That wasn't it. Actually, those things may have been partially true, but where the guilt actually came from for me was always focusing on where I was not. Mm. Let me give you an example. If I was at work, I was thinking about my kids. Are they sick? Are they okay? I'm missing field day. Did I forget their lunch? I'm always thinking about my kids. Then I go home. But then I think about work when I'm at home. Did I, I didn't write that deadline. I didn't keep up with that blog post. I'm supposed to have that meeting. I'm behind on that work. So wherever I was, I was focused on the opposite place. When I'm at work, I'm thinking about my home life. When I'm at home, I'm thinking about my work life. Let's just go ahead and acknowledge that if you live your entire life this way, always focused on where you are not, then of course you feel guilty yeah. because you're always focused on where you're not. So you're not only weighed down by guilt, but you're missing every single moment that you're actually in. And we do the same thing with our to-do list. So you have a to-do list on a Saturday and it has 45 things on it and you do 42. But instead of being proud of the 42 things you knocked off, you focus on the three you didn't get to. And again, the message that you're failing haunts you again. And so for me, When I began to understand this, it helped me not only determine what matters to me so that I could spend my life on those things. Okay. What matters most? Everything doesn't matter. And I, and I talk about this in the book. I talk about prioritizing. I talk about what actually is important to you and how to discern that in any season, because it can change and it will. But even once you identify it, and even once you spend time on it on your calendar, you have to be present for it and be proud of it or else you can perfectly manage your calendar, but you still feel guilty. Because you're always focused on what you're not doing, what you're not getting to. And I want to set women free from that guilt and bring their mind back to their body. I want to be where your feet are, wherever you are, be there so that you can actually experience the moment you're in. 
actually enjoy the moment you're in and be proud of how you are using your time. Instead of focusing on all the things you're not doing, you're going to focus on what you are doing and be proud of that. Yes. I'm nodding my head so much because I get it. Like I relate. I, um, I have this, like, I guess guilt that I feel when I'm a, so I'm a fitness coach and my business is surrounded around really weird hours because people work out really early in the day and really late at night. Um, so I'll like wake up at 5am to start coaching and then it'll be like 11 and I'm exhausted and I'll lay down and then I'll be like, I shouldn't be laying down. It's 11am. Like the rest of the world is like grinding. And my husband's always like, you've been working since five, like sit down. So I think it's like really also important to, to acknowledge or not compare your schedule or your grind or your life balance to someone else's life balance, because it should look different. Like you said earlier, different seasons call for different reasons and different types of busyness or different types of priorities. And so in a, in the beginning of a business where you're a fitness coach, you're going to be grinding and it's going to be long hours, but in the season where you're pregnant, like your priority should be rest, you know, because you're about to have a baby. (laughs) So I'm like learning and like trying to actually practice what I preach and like, tell myself like, this is okay. It's okay to do this in this season. Cause this is what this season calls for. Yeah, no, that's such a, that's such a good point because things do change by season. And certainly they can change when aspects of your life change, like having a baby or going into a busy season at work or, or something else. Let's say your life changes just because the holidays are here in December yeah. and you're, I want to take my foot off the gas. I want to stay at home and snuggle. Cool. That's your priorities for December. Fantastic. You get to decide what's important to you in any given season. But I think so many people do feel that pressure to either do everything all the time. And then we feel guilty when we don't, because we can't, and we won't. And that's not even balanced anyway, but we, we, we feel like we need to do everything for an equal amount of time, or we feel like we need to be doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. To point. And the, the question that helps me cut through the temptation to have the pressure to do it all, all the time. Well, And the temptation to compare myself or my journey with someone else's is this simple question. What's right right now? So you could ask yourself at 11 a.m. What's right right now? Well, what's right for me is sleep because I've been up since 4 Mm a.m. What's right right now on a Saturday? What's right right now in this season of life? What's right right now with a newborn? What's right right now with a newborn? Let me tell you, for most mom, getting a shower a week is a win. Getting a shower (laughs) a week is a win. If you've got the bottles clean, this is success. Like that's what's right right now. When you're an empty nester, probably go shower more than once a week. Okay. Like what's right in any given season or even in any given week or even any given day is determined by your circumstances, your values and what's right for you. And so one of the things that's helped me, and I, I know if you have people listening that have a lot of interest and a lot of ideas, they're creative, they're entrepreneurial, that type of thing. Well, then the temptation is to get distracted by all the options. Mm. And if you can't do all the options, which none of us can, then we get discouraged. We have FOMO. Oh, I feel bad. I don't want to cut things out. Well, here's the good news because I am a creative and I am entrepreneurial and I have lots of ideas and, and lots of interests. Again, this question, what's right right now helps me combat the guilt or the FOMO of these other things because I realize just because something's not right right now doesn't mean it's never right. Right. It's just not right right now. And so I want to go to Europe. I want to buy a new house. I want to get a puppy. I want to play on an adult soccer league again. All of those things I will do someday. 
not right now. Mm-hmm. That's not right right now, but it do- doesn't mean never. Oh, boohoo. I'm never going to get a dog. I'm never going to go to Europe. My life is so big. No, it's just not right right now. Right now I'm doing these things. And so it, it, again, it gives you permission to be present and focus on what's right right now for you, what's right in front of you and shake the guilt of all those other things, knowing it doesn't mean they'll never happen. It's just not right right now. And what someone else is doing is not right right now. So when you're up at 3am, Catherine, and you're feeding your baby and you're scrolling through Instagram and someone is on a beach and they are showing the signature cocktail with the toes in the sand. You don't have to feel bad because you're going, that's awesome for them. What's right right now is me feeding my baby. Would I rather be on the beach? Yeah, probably, probably. but that's okay. I mean, I'll never be on a beach again. It just means what's right right now is I'm in a season of a newborn and that's cool too, in different ways. That's so true. And it takes away that like comparison is the thief of all joy mindset because if you if you believe what's right right now is this then when you do see that person on the beach you'll you won't you won't envy them in a way that's like I hate them right I'm like so mad that this isn't my life it's more of like okay well one day I'll be on a beach and they'll be doing something that's right for them right now and it'll be a flip-flop situation and we're all gonna be fine that's exactly right and and I would say as one Disclaimer to that, one of the things I talk about in the book that I think is crucial to creating your version of balance and spending your life on what matters to you is getting rid of things that don't matter. So if someone is working, as an example, this is an extreme example, but let's say someone is working in a job that they hate in a toxic culture and they dread every single Monday, which seven out of 10 Americans don't like their job. Well, then I encourage those people to start to look for something new you don't have to accept that this is just as good as it gets and work a job because you spend way too much time, way too much time in your work to do something that you hate. Right. So if, if when you ask yourself, what's right right now, you hate what you're doing because you don't want to do it. You, you said yes to a commitment that's not right for you. You volunteered for something out of obligation or guilt or whatever. Then I encourage you to cut out those things as much as you can that don't matter to spend the majority of your time on things that do matter. Most of my time, is spent on things that are deeply important to me. doesn't mean I don't get tired. doesn't mean it's always easy. doesn't mean there's not aspects of it I don't like. Of course, I don't like changing diapers like anybody else does, but I love being a mom. So when you start to realize, okay, there's going to be things I don't like, but the majority of my time is spent on things that are deeply important to me, then it gives me a deeper sense of fulfillment because I'm no longer running myself ragged for things that actually suck the life out of me, whether that's a job, a toxic relationship, a commitment I should have never said yes to, whatever that is. So, so there is an aspect of uh, responsibility we have on our part to stop doing things that are sucking the life out of us. Yeah. Like we get to make that choice. Was there, was there a moment in your life, maybe like an aha moment where you finally woke up and realized like, I am running myself ragged. There are things I need to get rid of or switch out for other priorities or whatnot, was there a moment for you or was it just kind of like this thing you've always been passionate about? Well, I think it's one of those things that's like trial and error, you know, from showing up to commitments that I didn't want to do because I wanted to honor my word, even though I didn't want to be there and I should have never said yes. And I should have never tried to be the hero. And I should have never tried to save the day, save the day. And then I pay for it because I'm showing up to honor my word. I'm like, why am I doing this? After enough times of doing that, at some point you're like, I should stop. I should stop trying to be the hero. I should stop saying yes to these things. So it's forced me like, let me, one of the examples I unpack in the book is I'm coaching my son's soccer team. And this was one of those things where 
the, the organization emailed all the parents. We don't have a coach. I was like, I know I'll do it. I was six months pregnant. Catherine at the time with my third <laughs> baby, I was about to go on maternity leave. I was crazy busy. This was a terrible idea of all the people that would have been good candidates for this role. I was like last on the list. And I'm like, I'll do it. Sure. I played soccer. I've coached before. I can totally do this. This will be awesome. <laughs> and I paid for it for four months of showing up to rainy soccer practices with four-year-olds in 42 degree weather and organizing who brought the oranges. And it was freaking miserable six months pregnant <laughs> while trying to do my job. Enough of those. You're like, I'm going to think twice. I'm going to yeah. think twice next time I get this email. But what's amazing, Catherine, is like uh, about a year later, I got another email. Actually, when I was writing the book, when I was telling the story in the book, I got an, another email from another team needing a coach. And you would think it would have been an immediate no, but I got to tell you, it wasn't immediate. I still wrestled. I knew the answer was no, but there was still that voice like, oh, but they need you. What are they going to do without you? Mm-hmm. You're so good at it. You can totally do it. And you've got this mental battle. I actually type out the whole mental battle in my book of like this voice versus this voice and the struggle that we all have. And so I don't think it's an aha moment. I don't think it's a certain day when I woke up to it. I think it's a daily struggle of discerning what is right for me right now. And, um, and because I teach this and because I deeply want to live it, I'm very intentional about it. I really try to bring it to the forefront of my mind and, and be intentional with my decisions versus just reacting and saying yes, which is what I normally would do. So I think I've gotten better. I definitely think I've improved, but this is not one of those things where I say, I've arrived saying no is easy. I never struggle with what the right decision is. No, that's why I want to teach it because it is hard for all of us. But I think it's also something we can all get better at. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is we never fully arrive at this like perfectionistic standard. We have to give ourselves grace for every single day. And also every single mistake that we might make again, you know, and, and allowing ourselves to learn, grow, and then say no the next time. And I, and I, that's the reason that I wanted to write this book because what I what I feel like I have done in this book is redefine what life balance is. Because when I have been asked this question for ten years, everyone asks it the same way: How do you balance it all? How do you balance it all? It's always a verb. It's always something you like this this trade off. And we've got all the analogies: We're tightrope walking, we're spinning plates, we're juggling balls, and some are glass balls, and some are rubber balls. And which one are you going? All these analogies that are exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can do that. I can spin all the plates and walk on the tightrope and still feel out of balance. And so I started asking a different question and saying, what if balance isn't something that you do, how you balance it all? What if it is a feeling you can create? What if it's something that you can create in your life, even in the midst of a busy schedule or a difficult season? And I really believe that as you do the right things at the right time, You will feel the sense of balance you've been looking for. You give yourself permission to be fully focused on whatever's right for you, whether it's a newborn, a new business, uh, a relationship, a goal, whatever's in front of you. And as you do that, then you feel balanced because you're no longer putting that pressure on yourself to do everything. You're doing the right things. And as those right things change, you adapt with them. So the, the whole thesis of the book is life balance isn't doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. And when you do the right things at the right time, you will feel the sense of balance you've been looking for. Right. And being busy isn't technically wrong. I mean, there is a like righteous and like beautiful thing about being busy, especially if you're busy with things that 
bring you life, bring others life that bring you joy. I mean, there's nothing wrong with filling your schedule up with things that you love. If you still feel a sense of peace, like you talked about in your book and not exhaustion. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think the myth that you, to be balanced, you have to have all this margin and be in this Zen state meditating mm-hmm. all day. Like that's not realistic and <laughs> not even desirable for, for many people. I would say that I'm a very busy person, but also balanced because I am doing the right things. But here's the thing. Here's the temptation when you're busy. And I think a lot of women struggle with this. So that's the reason I want to call it out really quickly. When we are very busy and we have lots of interests, we still have to prioritize. And what that means is you have to know what is more important than something else, than something else, than something else. Because what I've seen, Catherine is, and I've been guilty of this myself, women, especially we treat everything as if it's equal. So we might say, I've got to finish the deadline. I've got to pick up my prescription. I've got to steam clean the couch. I've got to wash the dog. I've got to reorganize the attic. I've got to pick up my kids. I've got to feed my kids. I've got to highlight my hair. I've got to buy a new outfit. These are all not created equal. You don't need to steam clean the couch. Highlights are optional. May or may not need a new outfit. You need to feed your kids. You need to go to work. Like, like we don't know what is more important than something else. So for us, if you imagine a horizontal line, everything is on the same playing field. So when push comes to shove, as it always does, and two things are competing, we don't know how to make decisions. So through my book, I walk through the exercise of prioritization and as simple and tactical as that is to show you This is what it looks like to take your, if you imagine a ladder laying on its side and all these boxes are created equal, flip it upright and decide what is a one, what is the most important? What is the second most important? What's the third most important? Every single day I start my day like this. I write down my top five priorities that if I do nothing else, I want to get these three to five things done. And I'll have a separate idea list. Like, oh, here's some optional things. If I'm in the mood to steam clean the couch cushions, (laughs) that doesn't compete with my real list of what really matters. And then I knock it out in order of importance. And so I know at the end of the day that I did what mattered most. And I determined what that was. If I didn't get to something, it's okay. Because it meant that the most important things got my time. And so the ability to prioritize, even when you're a busy person is still essential to you shaking the guilt and not getting distracted by all of your many ideas, which are great ideas. I'm sure for some day, some time, right. you need to know what is most important, what actually matters to you not getting distracted by those things. Yeah. I mean, I was laughing while you said that because that is how I think like our to-do list is a hundred things long. And I will think every single one needs to get done. Every single one is like the same level of priority. And then if you do take a step back and pause, be still look at everything in front of you, you realize, okay, steam cleaning the couch is actually probably last on my list compared to feeding my child. Like that's probably a little more important. So I love that. Like what steps you, you talked about, like how you listed out in your book about, you know, finding the priority, but what steps would you take, to, would you give to someone? Let's say you're just having a conversation with someone. They don't have time to read your book of like that you would recommend for filtering out what doesn't matter. Yes. Okay. Well, let me just give you a flyover of the way the book is organized. Cause I give in the book, I organize it by five steps that I call the path to balance. So life balance, isn't doing everything for an equal amount of time. It's about doing the right things at the right time. Mm -hmm. And so the next question is, how do you do that? Well, I have five tactical steps because the idea of balance is this elusive idea. We never define it, right? Like we never define what balance is. We just know we don't have it. And so, so I want to pin it down and make it tactical. So there's five tactical steps. Step one is figure out what matters. 
this is in this season, what is most important to you? Three to five things, make a list. And I, I'll walk through and unpack how to do that and how to discern what those things are and considering your season, considering your restraints at work with your family, so on. Like, like for example, for you, Catherine, when you have this baby, not a great season to have your A1 priority run a marathon. That's not realistic in that season. So taking into consideration what's going on in your world, then you identify what's most important. Mm-hmm. So number one, step one is figure out what matters. Step two, stop doing what doesn't matter. And what's so beautiful is when you do step one and you figure out what matters, it naturally blink- brings clarity to what doesn't. Because yeah. you see what didn't make it on that list. You see what was not most important to you. And you're like, ah, oh, I guess I can cut this out or cut that out or find some margin here or let go of these things, delegate, automate, stop, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So stop doing what doesn't matter. Because if you would stop you, everyone, me, if we would stop doing what doesn't matter, we would free up so much time for what does. And so I, I want to help people do that to carve out that stuff that's distracting them right now that they don't actually care about. And again, you get to decide what that is. I don't tell you these things are bad. So don't right. do them. you decide, you decide what that is for you. So step two is stop doing what doesn't matter. Step three, super practical, create a calendar that reflects what matters. So often we say, I live by my calendar. I live by my calendar. But then all these things we say we want to do don't actually go on the calendar. Like yeah. quiet time, working out, date nights, reading, any of those things, even cleaning the house. We don't put it on the calendar. Now that sounds legalistic, but the calendar is just a system to help you do what you say we want to do. And we have all these things we want to do, but they're not on our calendar. Then we wonder why they don't happen. Right. Well, of course they don't happen. They're not represented on the, on the system we have chosen to live our lives by. So whether it's cleaning, reading, working out, date night, even a bedtime, I put my bedtime on my alarm on my phone that says go to bed at nine o'clock. Cause if not 11 o'clock there, I'm scrolling Instagram exhausted the next day. So it's simply a system to help you spend your time on what you're saying is most important. It's a source of accountability to help you be successful at that thing that you want to do. So step three, create a calendar that reflects what matters. Step four, protect what matters. And that's all about setting boundaries and saying no, because even after you create your calendar, you know, the moment you just put that final perfect line on it, you're going to get an email from your child's soccer coach saying, oh, please, please, please be our coach. It's going to mess up your balance. So uh, it just, it walks you through how to discern what to say yes to, what to say no to, and how to say no, even though that can be uncomfortable for a lot of people. And then step five, finally, be present for what matters. And that's what I was talking about with shaking the guilt and flipping your focus to be where your feet are. Because even if you create the most perfect schedule in the world, if you aren't present for it, you miss it. Mm-hmm. And so I want to help you reshift your focus to being present in the moment that you're in so that you can not only experience it, but actually enjoy it and be proud of it. But the the way that I lay it out is really like a cycle, because even when you define what life balance is and and create it in your life in this season, in a new season, it's going to look different. And so you go back to step one in that new season and say, okay, what matters now? Now my kids are in school. What matters now? I'm in a busy season. What matters now? Or it's summer. What matters now? I do this about three times a year. Truly. I do it for my fall season, my spring season and my summer season. And it typically reflects what I want that season of my life to look like considering my kids events, my work events and what's going on in the world. And so um, it just helps you adapt to what's going on and create your version of balance in any new season. Absolutely. And I love that you brought it up that I do this three times a year. I mean, you need to revisit because each season looks different. So you're not going to be doing the same thing during soccer season as you would during football season and vice versa. I always correlate 
pretty much everything to exercise. Cause it's like my line of work. And I often work with a lot of clients who are, their goal is to feel healthy again. You know, I haven't prioritized my health. I, um, I'm so busy doing this or I'm so distracted doing this. And I really haven't gotten any movement or any like me time. And one of the first things I say to them, I'm like, I know this is going to sound like strict and rigid, but you need to set a meeting with yourself, like your exercise time, your 30 minutes, your hour, whatever it is for you, you need to put it on your calendar and you need to treat it as if you would not cancel. I wouldn't have never canceled this meeting with you because it was on our calendar. It was a priority of mine. We put it on our calendar and just the same way. I shouldn't, I shouldn't cancel a meeting with myself because I am a priority. My health is a priority. My mental health is a priority, not just my physical, but having that me time. And so I love that you said, you know, it's not legalistic to have a calendar. It's wise, you know? Well, and what's interesting is research shows that if you write something down, the simple act of writing it down, getting outside of your head and onto paper, whatever system, whether it's a dry erase calendar, paper calendar, your app on your phone, it shows you are 43% more likely to actually do it. And that's not even about canceling. You're less likely to cancel simply because you see it. Like Mm -hmm. your brain naturally moves you to action to do that thing because it can see it, not just remember it but it moves it to action. So it's fascinating how it really does set you up for success. And you can make your calendar look like whatever you want it to. It doesn't have to be, uh, look like someone else's like we've talked about. So if you want your bedtime to be 11 PM, you can do that. Right. It's just, here's, here's what it comes down to Catherine. I hear people all the time say things like this. I love to work out, but I don't ever have time to, Uh, I would love to go on a date night with my spouse, but we can never make our schedules line up. I want to play with my kids, but by the time I get home, I'm so tired. If you don't spend your life on what matters to you, you're going to be stressed, frustrated, exhausted, anxious, and angry because there is a gap between what you value and what you actually spend your time on. My goal for this book is to bridge that gap. I'm Mm. not going to tell you what you need to spend your time on. I just want to help you discover what that is and then actually make it happen. And so that that gap is bridged and then you're actually proud of how you spend your time. And the truth is you will be more present for those moments that you want to prioritize like a date night with your husband. If you make the time to have the date night by putting it on your calendar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love what you said about being present in a moment. Cause so often I'll be in a situation where I'm thinking about what I'm supposed to do next. And I'm, I'm I know I'm not alone in that. Like so many people oh, no. <laughs> that is no. like, we are Absolutely. on a hamster wheel of our own life. Like we're spinning in our, in our minds, but not present in what we're doing. And I just feel like at the end of our life, when we like meet our maker, God's not going to be like, we're not going to present like this list to God of like, this is what I did. Look, I did this today. I did this day, which so often we try to do with our daily schedules right now. It's like, look at how much I got done off my to-do list. I feel like God's going to be like, yeah, but were you present during any of those? Like, did you have any meaning behind that? Did, did that feel like enriching to you or was it just a checklist? You know, what's interesting is um, I talk about that in the book where we, we fill our to-do list with tasks and never ask ourselves if any of those tasks are worth doing. Mm. We just put them on there just for some shallow sense of productivity. And there's fascinating research on how when we check a box on a to-do list, dopamine is released. The oh, same yeah. chemical in your brain that you have, you know, whenever you have any type of pleasure, like eating cake or taking drugs or checking Instagram. But there's something also fascinating, and I talk about this in the um, fifth step on being present. There was a study at Harvard, a research study, 
where the Harvard psychologist wanted to understand the effect of mind wandering, like you're describing, on people's overall happiness. And because, I mean, the, the research shows that humans have between 30 and 60,000 thoughts a day. So your mind is not the only one that wanders. All of our minds do. It's, it's naturally inclined to do that. But what they found, and this is social media aside, okay, so we've already seen the research of like the correlation between increased social media use and increased depression. But let's take social media out of it for a second. Let's just say your mind is wandering. You're in a moment, you're at the playground with your child and your mind is thinking about work and all these other things like we all do all the time. Mm -hmm. This Harvard study showed that there is a direct correlation and in fact, a causation of mind wandering that leads to unhappiness. So regardless of the task, even if you're doing something mundane, like folding laundry, you are actually overall happier when you're present in the moment that you're in rather than letting your mind wander. So you might think I'm going to be doing laundry. I would, I would be happier if I was imagining myself on a beach. Research says, no, you are happier when your mind is where your body is. And so what's interesting, I've started to practice this, Catherine, like I know this sounds silly, but like, because our minds wander, I have to redirect my thoughts a million times a day. What's in front of me, what's in front of me, what's in front of me and bring my mind back there. When I do that, I literally feel more alive. I'm more aware of my senses and the smells and the lights and the sounds and my own breathing and the texture of my shirt. And I'm just like, we walk around like sleepwalking zombies Mm -hmm. because we're so distracted. If we could bring ourselves back to our body, our mind back to our body, you literally feel more alive. It is a very, very powerful practice. Absolutely. And I think having those questions to ask yourself in those moments where you're distracted of, okay, bring it back. Like Mm -hmm. what is right right now is one of those great questions. So having those like cornerstone questions uh, to ask yourself or statements to say to yourself when you're feeling distracted so that you can get back without feeling feeling guilty about being distracted because we all get distracted. I mean, it's just going to happen. Totally. What is in front of me? That's Mm -hmm. what I ask myself multiple times a day. And the answer is always what I should be focusing on. What is in front of me? What is in front of me? Sunset, my daughter, this interview, uh, my computer screen, what is in front of me? And that's where I need to be. And it's, it's hard, but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. That is so good. And I am going to take that into this fourth trimester that I'm about to enter. There you go. There you go. What is in front of me? This baby. Um, okay. I know, (laughs) I know that it's almost time, but I have four questions. I ask every guest at at the end of each episode. So I'm going to ask you those before we wrap up. The first question is what's something that you're currently obsessed with right now. It could be a TV show, a podcast, a book, a product, a food, something that you're obsessed with. Uh, I feel like I've given this answer before. So some people may be familiar with it, but there's this bumble and bumble hair powder that lets my hair go like three, four, five days without having to wash it, which is a time saver and you don't have to do your hair every day. So bumble and bumble, like dry shampoo, but any kind of dry shampoo, man, I'm just loving it. Yeah. I live on dry shampoo basically. Um, that's awesome. Okay. Second question is what is something, and I feel like I know a little bit of your answer, but what's something you're really looking forward to in the rest of 2021? Um, okay. I'll give you an unpredictable one because my book is obviously exciting, but, um, I am in seminary right now. And at the time of this recording, I'm about week four of my first class. And it's just fascinating. I'm just, I'm learning so much, the depth and meaning and context of stories I've, I've read, you know, a million times. So I feel super intimidated, but it's also really, it's also really cool. I'm really loving it. I love that. Are you doing it online? Are you doing it in person? Online. Online. Okay. I was going to say like, man, going, going from place to place. <laughs> <It's just> so- 
<laughs> That's awesome. I love that. I, I feel like I read a lot of the same scriptures over and over and over again. I'm like, I don't even know what this means. I wish I had like a deeper context. Like when a pastor stands on stage and like, yes. well, in the Greek, it means this. And you're like, right. Oh, right. that makes sense. Right. So that's right. really cool. Okay. Third question is what is something that you really love about yourself? Mm. How hard I work. That's something I'm really proud of. Yeah. I'm really like, it's funny. I, um, I used to think like, you know, all of, all of the things about me, like I, I see everything in my life as a blessing from God, but then I would always think like, but there are these things that are like my things, like my mm-hmm. work ethic. And one day God was like, you know, I gave you that. <laughs> like I gave you that work ethic. Even that's for me. I'm like, oh yeah, it's all you. Um, but yeah, I just, that's something I really respect in other people. And I definitely can, uh, it can be to a fault, you know, for sure. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I like that. I work really hard. Well, I think that's something that's really cool to recognize too. I think often we, we want to be humble. We don't want to like toot our own horn, but like you were, I hard. love that you asked the question. I love that you asked the question because women are so uncomfortable with it Yeah, and we need to call it out in each other and get more comfortable talking about it in ourselves. So I love, I love that you asked that. I, I hope you ask everybody that. I love that. I'll, yeah, we do. We ask everybody and it's my favorite question of the whole episode yeah. every time. So smart. Okay. Last question. If you could leave my listeners, which is about went 99.9% women with one little piece of truth today to land on, what would that be? One little nugget of wisdom. This is going to sound like a bumper sticker, but it's the truth. And it's my heart behind this book. This is your life. You only get one of them. How you spend your time is how you spend your life. So whether it's helping this book or helping another aspect of something that's going to help you spend your life on what matters to you, uh, it's no one else's, it's yours. And you get to decide how you spend it. So I hope you spend it well. Amen. Well, I'm going to link all of the links to buy this book in the show notes because everyone needs to read it. I'm reading it right now and it could not be in a more perfect time in my life. And whether you're about to have a baby, start a business, or just trying to make it day to day, this is a book for you that will reshape your heart's priorities around what you're doing day to day. So Christy, thank you so much for being a guest and I look forward to hopefully chatting again soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right, listeners. I will talk to you next week. Bye.